does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Speaking of the Big Ten and around the state, again, as I'd mentioned, the other side of that, Indiana at Illinois on Saturday. Don Fisher gave it a go, and 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 this is impressive. My understanding is nine jars of honey he's gone through, along with <laughs> hot tea in the last couple of, uh, oh, I don't know, day and a half or so, and he joins us now on the program. Don, how are we feeling? Um, a little better. Uh, not nearly what I'd like to feel like at this point. And the fact of the matter is, you're right, uh, I've gone through uh, – at least six or seven jars of honey and more tea than I've ever drank in my life. And pretty much uh, every five minutes, I got to go to the John. So you got, you got the whole picture right there. Well, you sound great, Don. I'll be you honest do. with you. Like, you whatever sound... you're taking, it's working. Right. You sound wonderful. <laughs> Better than I did on Saturday, I can tell you that. So, Don, at the risk of being too personal, and feel free to decline here, I, but I just because I think people were curious. So, did you get, as we do, like, I know my friend Kevin Lee, for example, gets this sometimes uh, where he just gets like a bout of laryngitis because he's always using his voice. Or did you have a head cold? Not that it matters. I had a head, I had a head cold. Okay. And, that's, and, and every time I get a head cold, it goes right to my throat. Right. Well, uh, And I, I get about one or two a year. So <laughs> it's, always, it's always an issue. But laryngitis hasn't hit me but about four times since I've been doing the games at IU in 50-some years, but every time it does, it takes you out for a while, and you don't have much of a choice. So, honestly, at this juncture, uh, I'm just pl- I'm glad I'm getting a little bit better, but i still got ways to go. Well, we certainly hope you feel better, Don, and I was, I was curious about this because you have seen so many games at Indiana when you're on the microphone, and so the most basic and elementary of questions, but I'm going to ask it anyway, would be, when you then all of a sudden are forced to watch the game like a spectator and not broadcasting it, do you view it differently? Are there nuances of the game for Indiana that you notice when you're not hyper-focused on what's going on of detail and you can kind of see it from a broader spectrum? The truth of the matter is uh, I, I I watched the game after I uh, gave, the John over, or gave the microphone over to John Herrick uh, after the second television timeout. I watched the game from about four seats away from where they were sitting, uh, right behind the Indiana bench. And the only perspective that I got would be different was that I did hear some of the things that were being said from a coaching perspective. And and uh, it, it wasn't that much different than what I anticipated. But the truth of the matter is, I still kept score for the ball game, just like I always would uh, with the, the stat sheet that I keep in front of me and, and the, the form that I make and, and that kind of stuff. So I just I treated it like it was a game without me broadcasting it, but at the same time I felt like it was right there. Don, Indiana was a little shorthanded. We know that without Khalil Ware there, and they did not shoot the ball well from the outside. It's hard to win games in the Big Ten when you're 0 for 9 from three-point range, when you miss 10 free throws. But as opposed to turning it into a, a complete negative session, I, I did think and I liked Mike Woodson's adjustment of going a little bit smaller and using Walker alongside Malik Renew and Renew, who we've talked a lot about. I thought that did kind of open him up and continue to keep him going offensively. What did you think of the adjustments? Well, I, I think that's exactly what had to happen. I, and as much as I like Peyton Sparks, he's a really good kid and, and he's a decent basketball player. 
but but he is not as quick and as athletic as as a guy as the kind of guy you need out there in this particular situation because uh, obviously Hawkins the the big man for Illinois plays like a guard. I mean, he plays a lot of ball. He brings the ball up sometimes, uh, and he's more agile and more athletic than anybody that uh, that we could have thrown up there without Khalil Ware in the lineup. So Anthony Walker uh, took over that role. I like what I saw from Anthony. He didn't score a lot of points, but he was solid out there. But the biggest difference in this ballgame on Saturday from Indiana's perspective and how they played was defensively. I mean, they literally played hard and intense and did what the coaches asked them to do uh, based on the scouting report. And I thought their defense in this ballgame was as good as we've seen them play for a while, without question. I'm not saying it's the best of the year, but it was close. Uh, They really did a great job defensively against Illinois. I thought Illinois would be running up and down the floor as much as they possibly could in this game, and Indiana just did not let them. Uh, they did a decent job on the boards. I'm talking about IU now. And I just think that the, the biggest change of, from what we've seen here in the last couple of weeks was the defensive end of the floor. And I was hoping that the eight-day layoff or the eight days in games, I guess I should say, would be a factor in this matchup. And I think it really was. I think this team had a chance to look itself in the mirror and say, this is not Indiana. Uh, we've got to get better, and we've got to do it at one end of the floor more than the other. I think defense was the difference. Don, any updates on Clue Ware at this point? I, I don't know. I, I know he was walking on the floor without a boot. He didn't look like he was limping or anything like that and sweats out there on Saturday. Uh, my hope is that he's ready for this Iowa ball game uh, tomorrow night because there's no question they need him. Uh, and he's a big factor in this ball club. I mean, he's the second leading scorer on the team. He's the best rebounder on the team, at least from a, a statistical perspective. Uh, there's little question that he is a factor every time he's out there with IU, and they need him. He's one of their best players. And back-to-back home games for Indiana, which might be like Don Fisher's honey and tea, just the medicine that they need, right? Coming back, licking the wounds a little bit, and the chance to kind of stable the ship here for Indiana. Don, we certainly hope um, – you know, John did a nice job, John Herrick, so hats off to him. But I know how yep. badly as a broadcaster you want to be behind that mic – and I know people are happy to hear that you are on the mend, and we certainly look forward to hopefully hearing you on the call for Indiana coming up this week. I appreciate it, Jake. Thank you. I appreciate it. Don Fisher, the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers. Again, Indiana in action. Uh, coming up their week this week is going to be against Iowa. That's tomorrow night and then Saturday against Penn State. You can hear those games on our sister station, 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Speaking of basketball in the state of Indiana, it was a huge, huge, huge weekend for the Indiana Pacers, who got a win on Friday night against the Phoenix Suns, and then yesterday against the Memphis Grizzlies. Miles Turner was not in that game yesterday, but he does join us now on the program. Uh, Miles, first and foremost, thank you so much for the time. How are you? Yeah, yeah, what's good, man? I'm uh, I'm good, man. I appreciate y'all having me on today. Well, the last time that that you and I spoke, we were... um, 
scooping out, I was in charge of mashed potatoes. I think you had turkey distribution, two people to my left uh, just prior to Thanksgiving. And uh, that was actually a fun event. And if you don't mind me saying so, I'm pretty decent at scooping the mashed potatoes, but I think I was pretty generous because they kept having to bring them over. Did you notice that? Man, they kept coming back to your station in particular. (laughs) (laughs) That's a telltale right there. Hey, um, let's begin with this. I, in you know, talking to Don Fisher there, the voice of Indiana, who had to miss the game for Indiana on Saturday because he's got a head cold. You missed the game yesterday. Uh, where do things stand? How are you feeling? And, and what was keeping you out? Oh yeah, I'm good, man. I think uh, just my back was a uh, was a just like just uh, messing me a little bit. It got a little stiff, and I think it was a precautionary thing just to be on the road for the next four to five days. You know, get on the planes, sleep in different hotel rooms. Uh, if anything, it was a precautionary thing on the medical teams of part, but I'm good, man. I'm, I'll be good to go against Boston here on uh, Tuesday. Okay, so Pacers getting set to go to Boston. Miles Turner, our guest. Let's go back then and look through uh, the weekend, and we'll begin with Phoenix, Miles. To me, you know, when you get a guy like Devin Booker that is that high, and I mean, I it's listen. I, obviously, we have not seen a guy score that those kinds of points in Indiana as a visitor in the NBA. But he was to be that hot. But the plays that you guys had to make down the stretch, what adjustments did you have to make, say, late in the fourth? Or did you both offensively and defensively in that game? I mean, you got to give a huge credit to Aaron Neesmith. I think he checked on for most of that game. And it's very easy as a defender to get uh, discouraged, you know, when your guy's going off like, you know, uh, like Book was. But I think our message was was quite simple. It's just like, don't quit. You know, keep staying the course. Like, he's a good player. He's going to make shots. But it's a 48-minute game. You know, you can get hot for three quarters and then not be as hot that last quarter. So, um, I think Aaron really dug in and, uh, you know, sunk his teeth in and uh, did what he had to do. And, um, you know, Book, you know, fortunately missed a few shots, you know, down the stretch. And um, our hard play at the end of the day prevailed. Miles Turner joins us. Miles, how different is it playing alongside Pascal Siakam compared to, or how similar is it compared to Demontis Sabonis? Um, it's honestly completely different. I mean, uh, I think they have two different skill sets. I think Domas is a, is a great passer, great facilitator, um, but also you know occupies space like on the low block, whereas Pascal is more of a perimeter-oriented guy who will do damage on the inside as well. And, you know, he gets up and down so. Uh, for me personally, it changes because there's so much attention, you know, on him that obviously I'm open for shots every now and then. Then when it comes to our four or five pick and roll, I can get a great openings for him because he's too quick for other, you know, centers to guard. Um, and then when they put their smalls on me, obviously I go down low. So it's just a, it opens up both of our games, you know, equally. Uh, the versatility of our team is definitely something that I think has been unique and something that we've been able to really play with this five out basketball. But you know, I saw all towards the good. You know, I've, been, I've really enjoyed playing with them so far. Miles Turner is our guest of the Pacers. Miles, here's a really elementary question, but I've always been fascinated by this. When I watch the NBA, you know, it is so fast moving and the ball moves around so quickly. What percent mm-hmm. of the time, and I know this sounds like a dumb question, right? But what percent of the time in a half court set are you guys running a designed, called out play? I'm going to keep it real. That's actually a great question. So, we're very different than a lot of teams. If I were to, over the course of an entire NBA game, we probably 15 to 20% of the time running plays. The rest of the 80 to, you know, 85% of the time, we're, we're out there um, generally just playing open basketball and free basketball. It's almost like an open gym kind of scenario. Um, we have, you know, some of the best playmakers, you know, on our side. You know, obviously the biggest one in Tyrese, you know, to create for so many people. So he really just put the ball in his hands and let him create. And, um, 
I honestly think that's a recipe for success in the in today's NBA. You can try to script all these plays, but you know you've watched the playoffs as much as anybody. Like once you get to that time of the year, there really is no plays. You know everything about that team. You scouted everything about the team and the personnel, so you have to just play open and free basketball. And um, I think that's you know playing this way in the middle of the season is preparing us for that postseason. So of those plays, and that's a fascinating answer, by the way, fifteen to twenty. I like I would have guessed it to be higher. So a two-part question. Of those, I would assume that the point guard or that there is a designated player that is the one in the course of a set that makes the decision to go ahead and reset on a possession and run a specific play. Um, A, is that true? And then B, with a new face like a Pascal Siakam, how deep into the playbook can you go now because of the fact that he obviously would not know the vast majority of plays? Well, it's partially true because I think Rick does, you know, command that part of the offense every now and then. If he wants to, if if he's, he wants to exploit a mismatch or he sees something, you know, he's obviously going to speak up. So every now and then, you know, after a timeout or you know, even like halfway down the floor, he'll call something. But uh, for the other part of your question, someone like Pascal, he fits the system so seamlessly. So you know, I think at the end of the day, we all run the same plays in the NBA. We just have different names for them. You know, we uh, everybody steals everybody's plays or takes different iterations of it and whatnot. But um, I think for us, we, we run pretty basic NBA sets. So Pascal was able to come in and uh, just kind of pick up just through basketball and NBA knowledge, you know, what those plays were. So it was really easy for him just to, like I said, fit so seamlessly. How does your offense run differently with Andrew Nimhard running things versus Tyrese Halliburton? Um, well, Tyrese obviously has a couple inches on uh, Drew, so that's probably the biggest thing. Tyrese can, you know, steal over the defense a little bit better than uh, Drew can, but Drew is such a great creator on and off the floor. I feel like he's a, uh, he's someone who can, like, dip into his bag and really take anybody one-on-one, but he also has such great vision. So I think Drew's biggest thing is just knowing when to be aggressive and when to, you know, actually get guys involved, whereas I think Tyrese has that down, like, to a science at this point. And obviously that comes with years and experience, but, you know, Drew's only in his second year in the league and someone that can really command the top scoring offense in the in this NBA. So he's had a good uh, – he's definitely had a good past week or so. This is someone who started the year off, you know, with injury and is still, you know, working his way back. So um, I couldn't have been happier or proud of the way that he was able to handle things when, you know, Tyrese went out. But, you know, Tyrese is a, you know, an all-star. He's someone who's a all-NBA level player. So there's obviously going to be some drastic differences. But when it comes to the straight game and hooping, you know, uh, Drew definitely has that. Pacer star Miles Turner is our guest. Miles, Benedict Matherin is growing game by game in front of our eyes. And a lot of people point to year three or year four to where things really start to jump forward for players in this league. For you, when did it click for you? When did you feel like you had your I arrived moment in the NBA? Um, I think for me personally, I had a little bit of a different path than most. Like I, you know, my first year, I missed the first 40 games because of a, you know, broken thumb. But then I was thrown into the starting lineup right away. Then, you know, I was starting in the playoffs and, you know, I got that experience real early. So I think going into my second year, things started to click pretty well for me. I think I actually hit my wall my third year, which isn't really, you know, isn't really typical for a lot of NBA guys. It's not the same um, route, but um, things really clicked for my second year. Just being able to come straight, straight off from starting in the playoffs just to, to another season starting, being the starting center to start the season and whatnot and getting those reps and opportunities. Whereas Ben is coming into a situation where, you know, we're looking to win now. So, he has to learn a bit faster. And I think that there's going to be same thing, high stretches and low stretches, high like games where he doesn't score games where he's scoring 30, 40 points because, you know, that's how the game allows him to, to play and create. So 
I think the sky's the limit for him. He obviously still, you know, has a lot to learn. Uh, still, still has a lot to learn when it comes just to a full season and whatnot, and what it takes to put to get put that together. But you know, um, things will click for him very soon. He definitely has the right mentality for it. Miles Turner is our guest. Pacers in Boston getting set here coming up tomorrow night. Miles, I know on Saturday you guys were off. Uh, I've got a a buddy named Vince Todd, Vinny Todd, we call him, who runs the uh-huh. Heroes Foundation, which is a fundraiser. You know, Vinny had cancer as a cancer survivor and took it upon himself a number of years ago to to raise a lot of money. $500,000, I think, was raised Saturday. You were there at the event, which I know yeah. excited a lot of people. How did you get involved in that? Oh, uh, well, a lot of that was through the Simon family. You know, Sarah Simon in particular, she extended the, the invite for me to come out. And um, it was such a great cause because we were able to go out there and, and um, auction off, you know, you know, the certain aspects of, you know, of our game. So the biggest thing we auctioned off was just like a meet and greet, obviously, with me, um, with pregame. Then it's four tickets to a game. It's basically the Pacers experience, right? And, you know, we were able to auction that off for, you know, $5,000, which is huge, you know, towards the cause. Towards the cause. There's also something this year in particular that was close and near and dear to my heart. You know, Team Joey uh, has a lot to do, uh, you know, with the Hero Foundation, but it's like their is their iteration, uh, you know, of a child who likes to really play with Legos and whatnot. He had a huge obsession with Legos, and when he was going through his treatment and whatnot, you know, those Legos is what got him through. So we, what they decided to do was put those Legos with other children who are, are, are in the pediatric hospital that are going through treatment or about to go through their rounds of chemo and whatnot. They give them a whole bunch of Legos, so... It, it just kind of uh, it worked out perfectly with just with my aspirations and my hobbies and whatnot. And um, I was able to go there, show face for a bit, you know, meet some great people. But um, the Simon family, you know, really took care of me with that one. So it was a great, it was a great night and a great uh, found um, a great a great cause. You went to Trinity High School, is that correct? Correct. Now, is it? How do you say the name of your town? Is it Ulysses? Ulysses uh, Uless Trinity. Ulysses Trinity. Okay, so between Ulysses Trinity High School. Obviously, the University of Texas, the number of Pacer teams that you've played on since you were drafted. Where does this team rank in terms of overall cohesiveness of roster? Um, I would probably say, you know, it's tough, man, because like the best year I think I've had here, you know, just with my bias was the when Vic was here, Oladipo was here his first year. We got to that playoffs and got to that game seven against you know the Cavs and LeBron and them. That was probably the best like locker room I've been a part of since I've been here. And another pace that was a TJ McConnell was part of that locker room as well. He can he can account to that. But um what we're doing this year is actually very special just because of how young we really are. Like me being a nine year veteran but only being twenty seven years old and having guys that are, you know, twenty years old, twenty two, twenty three, like this that uh this closeness of age was definitely something that we didn't have that year when we went to the uh um to game seven of that series. So I probably put this at a close at a second compared to that one year, but it there very well has the uh, opportunity to, to jump that you know depending on how we do in our playoffs this year. Did did you or do you now, Miles Turner? You know, as it, it's it's so weird to think at twenty seven that you're you know you're you're the grandpa, right? You and probably T J McConnell, and you know there are some veterans there. But when you talk about the young players, the Aaron Neesmiths, the Benedict Matherins, for that matter, even Tyrese Halliburtons. Do you have to preach patience to them? Do you have to kind of just remind them that it doesn't, like you were talking about a minute ago, that it doesn't happen overnight? Yeah, and I, I think they understand that, which is the, the, the best part about it. You know, someone like Tyrese, who hasn't necessarily been to the playoffs, but has been, you know, has seen high-level basketball and has played some high-level basketball, can, can tell. And, you know, him only being his first couple of years in the league, 
um, and accomplishing so much as he has so early, you know, it puts a tremendous amount of pressure, you know, on one's on one's back. And I feel like if anybody, he's handled it, you know, so well and represented the city so well as well. So I think someone like uh, Tyrese and uh, and them, like whenever things start to speed up a little bit, it's not that hard, like to to bring him back in or settle him down. Pacers star Miles Turner is our guest. Miles, Indiana has really been a second home for you. I mean, you mentioned starting as young as you did in the league and pretty much your entire adult life has been spent here. As a veteran of this team and having such a great event like All-Star Weekend be here, what does it mean to be an ambassador and be able to show off the state and the city of Indianapolis? Well, it's a huge honor just being, first of all, even being trusted, you know, just with that, um, you know, with that measure right there, being able to welcome people into the great city and just to, uh, what a great host city Indianapolis really is. I really feel like that's something that's very underrated about our city is the fact that when we host events, you know, all the time, whether it's some huge convention, whether it's the Super Bowl, whether it's, um, you know, the Final Four, March Madness, anything, like they do such a great job of hosting, especially in the downtown area. Like it's always a fun vibe. It's always, you know, doping around the city. But being an NBA ambassador is one thing I learned, you know, this summer especially, like those three letters hold so much weight, you know, being in the, being in the NBA. And now that you are a part of that, actual city you know that everybody's coming to and the whole city you know being well with the Pacers um, obviously their eyes and their ears go towards someone who's been here you know as long as I've been so um, you know I'm definitely going to take great pride in representing the actual city in the blue and gold and just um, you know what we're about here in Indy just uh, you know showing that it's more than just a, a blue collar like town you know there's actually a lot of uh, a lot of depth you know to our city. Somebody just sent me a tweet that said ask Miles Turner if he's ever thought about developing a hook shot because he'd be unstoppable. You don't see the hook shot much anymore. Um, a, I guess, have you? And and where is your most comfortable offensive spot? Uh, well, I don't really have like a sky hook like Kareem or anything like that. But one of my go-to shots is definitely my jump hook. You know, my right-hand jump hook is something that I, especially the post that I'm always trying to get to. You know, a lot of that came from like Al Jefferson. He was someone who was really was really good at that and really uh, had a good feel. He was one of my bets and whatnot, but. Um, as far as on the floor, I love operating in the mid-range area. Like whether it's like the dots or right at, right above the free throw line, that that's like my perfect ideal area to operate and whatnot. So I trust my touch so much. And I'm a three-level scorer, and that's one of the levels in the mid-range that I'm very comfortable with. Now, here's the one thing, Miles, that I've determined. I, I've made a an objective observation about you, and, and I think I'm right on this. Okay, I don't think you're going to like it though. You ready? Please. I, I've decided that you don't have a lot of rhythm. And the reason I decided that is because I watch in the pregame, right? And in the pregame, there's this, and it's my favorite part of the game. TJ McConnell stands there, and every single player has like a personal high five, like, I don't even know what you would call it, like handshake, high five, like rhythm thing with TJ McConnell. And it's orchestrated for every single player. And then you come along, and all you give them is a handshake. And I determined that it's because you, you don't want to get involved in the hijinks and learning the whole, all the different moves and everything that go on with TJ McConnell. Why just the handshake? Huh. Well, you couldn't be more wrong when it comes to the rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> so we're blaming TJ McConnell is what you're saying. Not necessarily. I mean, I just uh, naturally amongst my culture, I'm born with rhythm. <laughs> and um, <the> one, <laughs> so it's TJ McConnell, the, right? The one thing with me and T, it's just a funny. He's been here, you know, for been my team, my longest tenure teammate, and it's kind of just a run, running inside joke that we have, you know, with that handshake and whatnot. It's just just an all business approach, you know what I mean? And he's been here when I've had coaches who have had that same exact type of mindset. So that's our kind of our running joke is when we get to the floor, it's all business. 
And when it comes to rhythm or whatnot, no, nah, absolutely not. Especially for how big I am, I definitely have. Very <laughs> okay. Great I saw it in the, the way that you were able to distribute turkey. I will admit there was some coordination <laughs> there, right? Um, okay, right. lastly, Miles, because I always ask this question. I think people find it interesting. You're getting ready to go to Boston. You mentioned being on the airplane. What's travel like? In conclusion here, as you're getting set to go, take me through just like what the road trip is. I mean, you know, you're not getting in line at Southwest with the early bird hoping that they, you know, that you can get an aisle seat. But what do you watch on the plane? Do you watch film? Do you hang out? Do you sleep? How difficult or arduous is travel in the NBA? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is uh, obviously we're, we're spoiled with just the way we travel and not getting chartered flights. It's something that's, um, you know, compared to traveling in the summertime, you know, on the offseason compared to now, it's something that's second to none. Like you just, you get first class service. I mean, the, you know, you, you know, as soon as you touch down, there's a chartered bus for you to take it to the hotel. So all that stuff is nice. But, um, you know, it's just the time that's probably the hardest of everything. After a game, you know, you probably won't get back home to like two, three o'clock in the morning or get to the next day to three, four o'clock or sometimes you have a, ne- a game the next day. So you just have to psych yourself into it. But as far as entertainment and all that type of stuff, yeah, and you know, I read books every now and then. Uh, I'm on my, I got a Nintendo Switch. I play that from in the mood for that. Sometimes I'll just sleep. I mean, it just kind of depends on what you feel in that day. So, yeah. Best book is what? Best book. Uh, well, the best book I, I personally ever read was Hunger Games series. That's something I read when I was um, uh, when I was in school. Uh, Maze Runner was another one that I, that I liked, but I'm really starting to get into more like nonfiction stuff now. Like I'm reading one called The Inner Work right now. It's just uh, figuring yourself out as a man, just uh, you know, trying to figure out your own subconscious and whatnot, and just uh, leaning aside as opposed to outside help. So it's been good stuff. Go to Switch game right now. Go to Switch game. I just I probably say I'm still on Smash Bros. Some crazy. Nice. <laughs> now, what's that one you guys play, Jimmy? Does he play Ro- that Rocket League? Miles, you a Rocket League guy? I never got into it, but I know exactly what it is. Sure. Like the cars and the <laughs> okay, here we go. That's right. Cars and soccer, I think, right, is what it is. That is correct. All right. Well, Miles, I know that uh, it's a busy day for you. Probably got to get some treatment before you guys hit to the road to Boston. And again, I want to repeat, you are, as of right now, you are slated to be in for the Boston game, correct? As of right now, yeah, I'm good. All right, appreciate it. Miles, I appreciate the time today as well. Absolutely, man. Make sure I keep that rhythm flowing for you. (laughs) I like that. I want to see more than just a handshake with TJ McConnell. Miles Turner joins us here on the program on Querying Company. Appreciate the time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Now joining us on the program to talk not only about the Super Bowl, but probably some of the conversation we were having about the Colts. It is Mike Chappell from WXIN and CBS Channel 4 joining us on the show. Uh, Chap, did you enjoy the AFC and NFC championship games, I presume? Oh, really, it's great stuff. And, it, and it's even greater when there's so much controversy that people talk about it for a week. That That's what makes the NFL the NFL. Here's what I was saying. One of the things, you know, in, in regards to Dan Campbell, um, my, my thought on it, Chap, and I want you to feel free to disagree with me here, Look, we're going to make a lot about, and you're going to hear a lot about probably for the next year until the Lions kick off again, if not beyond that, the decision to go for it on not one but two fourth downs in the second half, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And my thing was this. 
if we're going to champion a guy and pat a guy on the back and fall in love with a guy over the course of a year because of the fact that he just does it his way and doesn't, you know, does things unconventionally and is aggressive and unconventional, then we can't all of a sudden pick and choose when we decide to call him out for it. We have to basically say, you know what? In the sake of consistency, that's who he's been all year. And if we loved him for it all year long, then we got to applaud him for staying true to who he is. I'll give you that. And that that's kind of what got Brandon Staley fired uh, with one of the Chargers. It, it, I understand that. And you can stay true to yourself, yet let the situation walk you off the ledge, I guess. I would have kicked the last one. For sure. The, the, the second one was the more egregious, right? I thought so. I mean, what was it, 48 yards? And I understand, you know, that, that the kicker, uh, Badgley, was not very good with the 75% kicker from that far. Then, then that's on the team. That's on the team for having a kicker that is so limited. What I would love to know, and we're never going to find out, is did he go for both fourth downs because that's who he is, Campbell, or because he didn't trust his kicker? Or his defense. Uh, I, or his defense. Oh, they're, they're, he, he could have kicked the field goal, tied the game, and then and then the Niners go down and score, and then and then so we're not having this discussion. I just think there's certainly a time and a place to be aggressive. We saw it with Shane Steichen, and there's a time. Uh, I, I go back to the Baltimore game or the Ravens game in Baltimore when very early on he determined that this was the kind of game it was going to be. And they weren't going to do their level best to not turn the ball over. And and hope Matt Gay set an NFL record with 50-yard field goals. There's a time and a place for aggression. I just thought, and I saw where both the ESPN analytics said that was sort of a coin flip on each one on probability to win. I'd like to have known what it was converting fourth and one, fourth and two, as opposed to converting a 48-yard field goal. I, I I love aggression. I shouldn't say that because I'm, I'm not a risky person when there's money on the line. But I understand when when you when you're aggressive. But I just thought the second time was tie the game. Yeah, if you make the field or tie the game, and then let your defense make some plays. So yeah, it, it's. But the, you're right. That's gonna. But that, but like I said, that's that's what's kind of cool about the NFL is these shows for the next ten days. It's you know did 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 the Niners win or did the, did the Lions lose? Well, probably a little bit of both, but you know it was like the Minnesota game two years ago when they scored when the Colts blew the thirty three zero lead. You, you, they needed help along the way, and the Colts gave more than enough help, as did the Lions. Man, I'll tell you what the you, you could feel, chap. It always cracks me up. It's you know the age old debate in sports like is momentum a real thing or is it not? Right. I, if anybody that and I'm a believer that it is right because I mean in playing sports you know I I knew because you could just kind of feel it when things are slipping away and when all of a sudden like everything's going San Francisco's way and when when you have the bounced face mask sure interception that turns into like a fifty plus yard reception right. if that's not the definition of momentum from the dictionary I have no idea what it is right. right. Yeah, it, it, that was that was a great catch, but 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 it was it was almost a fluke. I mean, you put yourself in that position. But watch that still photo of of him behind the play, 
and you're thinking, well, at the very worst, it was knocked down and maybe intercepted, and then no, 50 some yard reception. That that's why may, maybe the field goal would have would have quieted things down a little bit. I don't know, maybe not, maybe not. But it, it, you need a play. I I, I remember the uh, AFC Championship game, Colts and, and, and Patriots, and once the Colts got going, man, it was just it was hard to stop. Whether it was Brian Fletcher's catch, whether it was Reggie, whether it was you know Joe Adai going in and just Saturday pancake and Wolfark, it, it's hard to stop things. It really is. Maybe the field goal would have stopped it, and maybe it would have. Dean Mike Chapel of Fox Food Nine and CBS Four is our guest. Chap, I heard this nationally a couple of times in the last twelve hours, and since you covered the history of those rivalries, and Ed would know better than anybody in the market. I want to get your perspective on it. The parallels are going to be drawn with where Mahomes is on a trajectory standpoint, and the Brady conversation is always going to be had. But there's also the second half of that conversation of Andy Reid and Bill Belichick, and a lot of people nationally point to what Kansas City was able to do in that game, get a two-possession lead, and then rely heavily on your defense to close things out. Did that remind you at all of the Patriots teams that at times got the better end of Indy because they had at times a better defense. They generally had a better defense and Peyton's numbers really reflected that. Yeah. It it was strange because that's not generally how Kansas city has won games. Right. They've been more explosive and that was pretty much a, a a Mahomes, Mahomes auto game with, with Kelsey. So it was really kind of fun to watch. And it, it was interesting to watch Mahomes not force the issue. I don't know what he averaged per attempt, probably know, six yards maybe an attempt, but he never really forced the issue. And that's what Brady seldom did was force the issue. So sorry about that. So, yeah, I, I think there was a lot of that to that. And I would think given the chance in the offseason, the Chiefs are going to try to reload in some spots because they still, you know, they, they still don't have the, their normal complement of the way they want to beat you. But they had just enough. And, boy, I tell you, Mahomes is awfully good. I mean, it, it, you just thought, you know, back when, when things weren't going well, um, you know, this is the year that they can't do it because of people around him. And, and this is what that quarterback does. He gives you a chance. He lifts people around him. I mean, I'm not saying Kelsey. Kelsey's that good anyway. But he makes everybody else, you know, puts them in position to make plays. Uh, anyone who's bet against Mahomes, you know, you want to say, why? What do, you, what do you need to see that makes you think he can't get it done? To, to go on the road and beat Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, I thought the comparison you were going to go to was Lamar Jackson and Peyton Manning. Because early in their careers – they didn't get much done. There were some, there were some MVPs and all that, and, and and you know Peyton was one of those on those one and done runs, which Lamar Jackson has got it until he until he does it. Uh, he, he's not, he's not in that in that area, and to think that Brock Purdy's going to get there and Lamar Jackson won't or can't, it, 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 it's not an indictment of, of Lamar Jackson, but he didn't play very well, and. When the other quarterback plays as flawlessly as Mahomes, it, it's hard to beat him. Chap, I sent this tweet last night, and I mentioned this earlier on the show, and, I, and this just marvels me, okay? 
of the quarterbacks who have started four Super Bowls, and I don't mean more than four, I mean literally just four Super Bowls, Patrick Mahomes, assuming he starts the game, is going to join Jim Kelly, Terry Bradshaw, Joe Montana, Roger Staubach, and Peyton Manning. At the age of 28, which which Mahomes is right now, he is younger than Kelly, Staubach, and Manning were in their first Super Bowl. That's what I'm saying. These guys generally it takes you a while to kind of unbelievable, right? Go through the growing pains, and then you get there. And then once you get there, it's a little bit easier, a little bit easier to get back and, and finish the job. But that, that's what again, but to name Mahomes as the greatest of all time. Come on, let's let's you know let's let him play longer. But it, it's the, the beginning is, is certainly there. With, with piling up the, these trophies, and we'll see if they if they can beat the Niners. They, I, I'm not again. I wouldn't bet against it. I, if it's down between Brock Purdy and Patrick Mahomes, I know who I'm betting on. I, I've always said Mahomes is Steph Curry on football because, like, he kind of changed the 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 way. Like, he he gets into grooves where you just know the pass is going to be completed. You know what I mean? It's like Side no arm, other player in behind the back. Yeah. No look somehow. Yeah. Um, now, that said, chat, Mike Chappell's our guest from WXIN and WTTV CBS Channel 4. I, my question for you is this. When you watch those games yesterday, to me, it kind of illuminates how far off the Colts are. And I know they were an eyelash from the playoffs this year, and I know Anthony Richardson probably changes things aesthetically for them. But... Am I correct in saying, Mike, that they simply need more playmakers and guys in space? That's, that's what this that's what this league's all about. It's you know you got yeah, yes, it's a fifty-three man roster. More than that with the practice squad. This is still a star league, playmaking league, pass rushers, you know, left tackles who who can hold up, quarterbacks, tight ends, which the Colts in, in the past have had some pretty good tight ends, and now they need to to kind of reinforce that area and the quarterback. And if you've got those five or six players, I'd throw running back in there. Uh, I think, I think Taylor can be that kind of a guy, but no, there's no question. And that's going to be the charge to, to Chris Ballard and his personnel people is again, you've got the quarterback on a rookie contract. And this is assuming that Richardson's the right guy. If he's not the right guy, then we're wasting our time talking because it doesn't matter. But when I watch some of the plays that these quarterbacks with, with mobility can make, you're thinking, boy, Richardson, I've seen him do that. I realize it was in a, in a small sample size. But there's, there's, no, there's no question. That's why it behooves these guys to somehow come to terms with, with Michael Pittman, however you want to do it. And we can get Rick Venturi on here, and he'll go crazy the other way because he makes very, very good points. But but they they've boxed them into this is our guy this is one of our guys moving forward because we don't have well if we let him walk we've got this no they don't have this so but but even even bringing Michael Pittman back which they will in either tag or a contract they need another guy they need a two they need they need another guy that you're going to get sixty seventy catches from and a thousand yards and six or seven touchdowns. They need that tight end, and they need, my goodness, help in the secondary to where they can make plays. That's what the league is. It's about playmakers. It's difference makers. And you get, you've you got to have guys that get, you know, make make the, the Grover Stewarts 
and, and I'm not going to dismiss DeForest Buckner at all because he's he's top top drawer. But you need guys who make the shock plays, and you make you make the normal plays, and then when it comes time, you make the special plays, and they don't have enough of those. They they just don't. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Chapel of Fox 9 and CBS 4 is our guest. Mike, you brought up the rookie contract, and people will point to that when fans analysts, whatever, when there's a rookie quarterback there on a team-friendly contract and you feel like he is your guy, you take big swings, you empty out as much of your cap space you possibly can, whether it's a narrative or I would argue at times there's plenty of evidence to back it up, will Chris Ballard be willing to do that? Is there a sense that this is the year where they're willing to leave it all behind in terms of money that's allocated for the season and go and reach whatever heights they need to to do exactly what you're talking about because they get playmakers either way. They go do it in the draft or they go try to get it in free agency. But on the latter of those two, it's the dedication to go out and take big swings. Do you feel that there is a sense around the front office that's going to happen this year? I think there'll be more. I don't think think they're going to go crazy. What year was it with the Andre Johnsons and all those guys? Was that 14 or 15? I get my years mixed up. They're not going to go over the top crazy, but but I think that there are because you, you have to plan on you have to pay Bernard Ryman left tackle money in a couple of years if, if you believe he's the guy. So you still have to budget or not budget, but you have to plan for the future. But th- this is when this is when you have opportunities, you know. And again, however you do, Michael Pittman, he's going to count twenty million minimum, bare minimum uh, against the cap. And it, this may be more. Cash, then you you can you can make the cap sing if you want to, but you need to have, you know, today's NFL is more about upfront money, bonuses, and players. Rightly so, they want to get there sooner rather than later. So uh, I think they're going to be more aggressive. They're not going to just say we've got X number of dollars, let's go and spend it on a receiver, a tight end, a corner. But I do think. And we, when we talked to, to, to Chris Bowder at the end of the season, he did give us indication that, that w- they will be more selectively aggressive, I guess, as m- maybe the word. They're not going to be stupid. You know, they're not going to be stupid because, again, you got to play in for something. But for the next two or three years, you've got, you've got the wherewithal to put people around the quarterback. And this is all about the quarterback. It is. You know, you can't ignore the defense because the defense wasn't good enough. But my goodness, you have got to get people around the quarterback to, to allow him to do his job better. Again, another receiver to me is a must. It just is. Uh, and if you think a tight end, I saw one of the mock drafts has the Bowers kid, the tight end with the Georgia uh, as a first round pick. Maybe okay, you, know, you can talk me into that because we've seen how these tight ends are changing games. Uh, but yeah, I, I, again, I, I think they will be more aggressive. I don't think they're going to go. You know, like like Jacksonville did one year where they just went crazy. They, they won the offseason Super Bowl, which never pans right. out. But I, I do think that they will be because, because again, there's the Shane Steichen 
influence, and I think he he will say, "Hey, we really need this. We need that," and I think he'll they'll listen. And then they they will be closer with the quarterback. So you have you just can't wait. You you have to be smart with your investments, but I think they will be more aggressive in free agency. Yes, Mike Chapel is our guest. Chap, it's a copycat league. It always has been, right? Detroit a year ago, I'm not going to say they took a gamble by taking a running back of all positions in the top 15 picks, but they went athlete, right? And they went playmaker, and it paid off for them. And and does that, I guess, influence Indianapolis's draft process where perhaps they go – unconventional in this draft and even though we're sitting there saying like they they do need corner help etc could they say you know what we're just going athletes and we're going to take positions maybe even that we already have on our depth chart because we need to get more speed well they did that last year remember how all the guys they drafted were top of the the old quartile the top of the combine testing uh in that one year they they took uh Pittman and, and Jonathan Taylor Within yeah. whatever it was, seven picks of each other. So yeah, there's no question. And and Chris Ballard again mentioned this past off or in, in January, they need to get more explosive. Uh, you know, I think they they average like six point eight yards on attempt throwing. That's not good enough. Ten point nine yards on reception. That's not good enough. And Michael Pittman swears that uh, he 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 does have a deep threat in in his repertoire, but they just haven't really. Had, had the guy to, to do it well that they will have with Richardson. So, but no, I, I do think they'll do that again. Would, would they add a a top flight tight end? Maybe. I mean, again, we've seen, I got to go back to where we've seen how tight ends can change the game, and it goes beyond Kelsey and Kittle. There's a lot of these guys. So yeah, I think so. I, I think they always err on the side of athletes, whether whether it's a Jelani Woods or people like that. They really, really like those. Uh, so I, I, I do think that'll be the case. Now, at some point, they have got to address the secondary. They do. The, the, the corners were young and were growing pains, and, and maybe Juju Brents and Jalen Jones are, are, are the foundation. If you if you resign Kenny, you know the safeties need help. But yeah, this is this is such an offensive league, and you have got to add some pop to the offense. And I think they certainly will try to do that. Either in, yes, in the draft. But the draft doesn't isn't a cure all, so you're going to have to do that in free agency as well. You know, Mike, I've asked you this probably 20 times, so I'll make it 21 for those yeah. that might not have heard the previous 20. Um, do we know yet? In your mind, you've watched a lot of football, man. You've seen a lot of young quarterbacks come through here. You know, everything from Jeff George, Chris Chandler, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, a wide array. And I guess the two part question would be. Do we definitively know that Richardson can be the guy? And if we don't, is it strictly because you haven't seen enough of him yet? No, we don't know. And yes, because we haven't seen he, he Again, he had four starts. And if you factor in his playing time, he played three games. He played three, 173 snaps. That's three games because he missed the second half. at was it Tennessee and, and Houston. But boy, what you saw, you just really liked uh, and th- if he stays on the field, yes, I think I think he can be the guy. The staying on the field is a big issue. Again, I can. I, I'm not to where I say he's injury prone because I can explain away the injuries. The concussion was just 
being being youthfully stupid by not running through the end zone and uh, the, the sh- shoulder injury, he fell wrong. How many times we see the quarterback get tackled and he gets up? Well, this one, they, they fell wrong. But but every time he goes down now for the for, for next year, it's going to be, did he get up? But I think we saw more than enough. Again, when I saw Jackson or Mahomes or even Purdy, when the play breaks down, what the quarterback can do with his legs, we saw more than enough of Richardson to where he can he can do that. And and the idea of, of, of him being the quarterback when Taylor runs for 188 yards, I mean, what kind of damage would they have done if the quarterback was even remotely productive that day? Which which Minshew wasn't in that in that game. So yeah, but again, the, the small sample size is it, it, it's totally legit to worry about. But you know, it, it's kind of crazy. I, I think Richardson's kind of between C.J. Stroud, who you, you saw what this guy is going to be, and Bryce Young, where you have no clue, none, what he's going to be. I think Richardson showed enough in three games that if he can stay on the field. He can lead this team for the next six, eight, ten years. You know, he is still young enough, Mike, speaking of Anthony Richardson with Mike Chappell here, he is still young enough as Anthony Richardson to instill in him kind of or, or direct him on which way you want to go with him. And do you believe that they will – he is such an elite athlete, obviously, but yet when you look at, like, say, Lamar Jackson, and I think Lamar Jackson's tremendous, don't get me wrong, right? But, but like, look at Brock Purdy. Purdy can run, but they only use Purdy to run necessarily when plays are breaking down and then he breaks down a defense by, by turning right. to his legs. They don't rely on that, right? Will they, will they scale back a little bit how much they utilize Richardson's legs and not design run plays for him, but rather even maybe to protect him, simply condition him because it's still early enough to do so to utilize his legs only to extend plays. No, I don't. I, I would be surprised if, if they cut it back that much. Because part of what makes him who he is is that he can run that RPO and and he and don't he might keep it and, and get you fifteen and and then when he gets outside, then he's got to realize when enough's enough and when to protect himself. And it, it might almost be easier when he's out around the edge and running through through some space to protect himself as opposed in the pocket. Or I still think the one against Tennessee was kind of fluky the way they fell on him. I, I just, yes, they'll, I, think, I think what they'll try to do is, is make him smarter. Again, run through the end zone because these guys, if they can, they're going to light you up. And, and, and that was totally a clean hit in, in Houston. But I just think they, they knew who this guy was when they drafted him. They knew – what his game was, and I, I think I think uh, Jackson's done a better job of protecting himself when he's out in the open, and when to go down. Now Josh Allen, I don't think he's really learned a whole lot. I think he still puts his body at risk. So I I just don't. If I'm reading you right, I just don't think you're going to curtail Richardson back to where oh hey, run when the play breaks down, but we're not going to have design runs. No, I still think they're going to have design runs. And in the red zone around the, the goal line or the 10-yard line, he's going to be really, really good uh, putting a threat on the defense. So it'll be some balance, but I think the balance is still going to be let this guy run, and he, that's going to be part of their offense, but be smart when you do it. 
The Dean Mike Chapel of Fox 59 and CBS 4 is our guest. If you're not already, you should. You can follow him on Twitter at mchapel51. But outside of the Colts coverage, when there is local or statewide success, Chap, and I've brought this up to you before, I love it. I know your followers love it. We get the cute little raccoon clapping in celebration <laughs> after big games. There were multiple <laughs> raccoon gifs, 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 whatever you want to do, utilized this weekend. Is that a record? Is that, it felt like yeah, the, at least the five in the last was, 24 hours. The raccoon was complaining of overuse. <laughs> When you throw Butler and Indiana State and, and the Pacers, Pacers, the Pacers are wearing his ass out. They really are. <laughs> hey, but, how about Indiana yeah, State, man? How about start... the trees? Trees? Indiana State, the Sycamores. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I'm just going to be stuck on the, the raccoon. I, but the, I'll tell you, they're, they're playing well. I, I think know. they're fun. The, the, the ones that wear me out are the Pacers. I, I, it, they're fun to watch, and, and I can't remember a team – that works so hard to get open three three point looks. I mean, you know, drive in, thing, kick out, and all this. And but God, when they're going down, when they hit, I don't know, forty percent of their threes, they're tough to beat. So yeah, it, it, the, the raccoon will go as long as as people will, 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 will take them, and we'll see where it goes. All right, chap. So here's my last question for you then, along the the fun sport of the raccoon. I don't think I've ever asked you this, and I hope I don't embarrass you by saying this, yep. but. Um, you wear shorts a lot, and you have – is it a Stingray tattoo? Yeah, from uh, from uh, Stingray City and the Green Caymans. So what I, that's what I was going to ask you is what is the what is the significance of the tattoo itself? There has to be a story behind it. No, just when you know, I was young, and I wouldn't say stupid. We, we went to Stingray Island, which is if – if you've ever been to Stingray Island and the Green Caymans, uh, you're swimming with stingrays. And we got home, I thought, you know, I'll just I'll – just, because my – my son-in-law is a big body piercer. Well, I'm not doing that. I'm not. I, he, he's offered. It's really funny. He's offered to get his mom a body piercing on her birthday, and she says, "Well, first, no, and second, if I get one, you're not doing it." Right. I, Needless I, I to say, decided, I decided to get one, and you know, I'm not getting my daughter's got tattoos and you know, ears pierced and all that stuff. I just thought, well, let's just. This has been probably 20 years ago. I don't know. So. It's the only one I've got. It's the only one I'll have. Did it hurt? You know, but, oh, it, I mean, you feel it. You know, it's it's funny. I'm going into uh, I've had issues with my. I had a back surgery, and part of my PT, they're doing this dry needling. Have you ever had dry needling? No. It, it's kind of like acupuncture, I guess, but they put these needles in your back, and then you hook it up to a Tim's unit, and it feels pretty good. <laughs> and I had the guy. I said, I said, show me the needle because I I hate needles. I. When I when I have blood work done, I never. Oh, I know it's terrible. It's I, the worst. I, I can't do it. He said, "Yeah, this is a needle. It was pretty long." I said, "Well, how far do you put it in?" I thought you just kind of prick the skin. God, it goes in like three inches. Yeah, I, said, that, yeah, I don't. I don't want to see anymore. Yeah, I'd have to it. see the needle after afterwards because if you show it to me before, no way, right? Yeah, just that's why fortune's in the back. I, I just I'm a wuss, but that's you know that's man's got to know his limitations. I am chap. I've always said I will never get a tattoo for one reason and one reason only, and that is I can still never rule out the possibility that I might someday be a fugitive of the law. <laughs> and they and they locate you by your tattoo. Huh? <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, I saw I, I saw that scorpion running down the street. Yeah. I didn't see that. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Chap, we appreciate it. As all. Oh, actually, last thing I need to ask you. I'm sorry. I buried the lead okay. here. Um, just to fairness to our listeners, even though I've got a sure. pretty good feeling the way that the answer is going to go, um, is there any update or news or, I guess, actually anticipation of when we might get an update 
from the Colts regarding the health of Jim Irsay? No, and, and you know we, we get we get tips at the station all the time, and which is good and it's bad. I mean, tips are just somebody picking up the phone, and you know we, we, we we've gotten tips, and if we if we had anything we could verify, we would go with it. But you just can't if you, if you're a reputable news area, you can't do it. No, uh, I hope that when we get an update, it's good news. I just do. I'm, you know, because again, it, this is where it gets kind of personal. I, I'm, I, I consider Jimmy a good friend. We've been through a lot together through 40 years. Uh, no, I. The bottom line, no. And you hear things, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not so good. But we'll keep keeping good thoughts. All right, appreciate it, Mike. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Next week, talk to you guys. All right, next, next week, Mike Chapel on each Monday, breaking down uh, the NFL. And it'll be good stuff, too, because we'll be a week away from previewing the Super Bowl and everything that goes into that.